0: Hi, and welcome to Meet My Followers, episode number 50 for December 7th, 2010. I'm your host, Kate Dworkin, and this is the podcast where I interview my actual Twitter followers. Today's guest is David Seitman Garland at The Rise to the Top. He's the new uh, book author of a book called Smarter, Faster, Cheaper and uh, it's a great book it's a great read David's incredibly smart I hope you enjoy the interview with him here in just a second I do want you to listen to the very end of the podcast though because I've got some news about what's going on with me where I've been the last two months and uh, what uh, I'm going to do with the show in 2011 well guys without any further ado let's get to the interview with David so today's guest is a guy who I've looked at from afar for a good long while. He's actually interviewed a lot of my friends and mentors and, and good people in my life. David seitlin garman of The Rise to the Top and the new author of the book Smarter, Faster, Cheaper. David, thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Oh, Thanks for having me, Cade. Pleasure to be on. So, you know, one of the things that I love to do is I love to get, like, the 90-second elevator pitch of who people are right at the start and not have my perception of you define that for my audience. So, David, who are you? All right. Here's the quick, the
1: quick elevator pitch. I hope it's a big elevator. But, um, you know, I, I'm a mediapreneur. I think it's the best way to solve it. And I, I uh, started several companies since college, but the, the most interesting thing that I've done, and this is my really true passion, is I started a company called The Rise to the Top. And The Rise to the Top started as a local television show in St. Louis, Missouri, where I would host and produce it and interview um, entrepreneurs. And it's evolved now to be an online resource uh, for forward-thinking entrepreneurs, creative entrepreneurs, people like that. And I bring on in my opinion, or I hope so, uh, bring on the most interesting, unique, passionate, creative entrepreneurs in the world and do like these very candid video interviews with them where it's like having a cup of coffee with them and them telling the story. So ranging everything from big thinkers like Seth Godin all the way to Tony Shea and Zappos. um, And I built a business from it and that led to a book deal with Wiley Publishing. And uh, now the, the show gets published twice a week online on my site, therisethetotop.com, and then I blog, do articles, all that kind of good stuff, and do some speaking and consulting. So that's sort of the, the mix, but I'm very passionate about creative entrepreneurship, people that are doing interesting things to make money, and people that are doing interesting things to market and promote as well.
0: Yeah, and, and you were kind enough to actually forward over an advanced copy of your book to me, which I do appreciate, so thank you. Uh, oh, but pleasure. One of the people who really kind of, you know, turned me on to you in a big way is uh, someone who I am very, very close with and, and consider to be a very dear friend of mine, Jessica Kim, who happens to be in the book ah, Babaco. Yes. So, you know, uh, talk to me about how you included so many great different stories about entrepreneurs in your book. I mean, were these just like the manufacturing of great relationships that you've built over the last couple of years while building Rise?
1: Yeah, great question. So the interesting thing was, you know, writing a book is, is such an interesting journey. And, and one of the key things for me is I wanted to write something that was different. I wanted to do something that, that was different than what's out in the marketplace. So I wanted to combine, I didn't want to write a book that was, here's David's story. And if you don't do it like how I do it, you're an idiot. Because that's not true and who cares. And second of all, I didn't want to do a book all full of fluffy theory that I hadn't tried out myself. Sure. So what I did was I found the middle ground of things that I had done and other people that have done consistently coming together to create like this buffet of ideas to help people market and promote smarter, faster, cheaper. So a lot of the stories in the book were people that I admired and the way that they market and promote their business and themselves, ranging from, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk to Jessica Kim, to even companies like HubSpot. And what I looked at there was I analyzed them through the interviews that I did. So everyone in the book I personally interviewed and Learned how they did it, and consistent themes started coming up. And I think that marketing and promoting has drastically changed, uh, especially over the last few years, and the people that are having the most success are doing things differently than the way it used to be
0: done. I, I completely agree with you on that fact, right? I mean, that's part of the reason why I do the stuff I do online. It's why I'm creating content here. But there are a couple points that really kind of struck me as I was reading the book over the past day or so. Um, And and, and the first one, uh, you know, is kind of buried in the middle of it, but it was one of those things where as soon as I saw it, I went, oh my goodness, this is like Kelly O'Neill from uh, Marketing to Millionaires and, (laughs) and, and, and her entire program where she constantly preaches. Act as if you're already where you want to be. Act as if you're already at the point where you have a 3 or 5 or $10 million business, whatever your dream is. You talked exactly about how you tricked yourself into thinking that you already had that 100,000-person audience. How did that change for you how you approached writing and creating content and, and, and you know, everything else that you're doing?
1: Right. So here's the interesting thing is that I, I agree and respect that I am very interested in and I find to resonate with people that are very authentic. And people that are very transparent and authentic and are just themselves. And so I was with that. It wasn't you know any kind of falsehood or illusion. It was a mental in- insider thing. Mm-hmm. And the way that I did it is that similar to a weight loss program, if you're trying to lose weight, let's just say, yep. it doesn't happen in one day and you can't see results for a while. You just can't. I mean, unless, you know, it just doesn't work like that. And it's similar when building a community or audience around online content. The It's not an on-off switch. Mm -hmm. It's not a situation where people just come rolling in, regardless of how good your stuff is early on. It does take time, and it can be a little bit lonely, and it can be a lot of effort um, that you're not necessarily seeing some direct result from right away. And so for me, the mental trick that I use, because it was a little bit lonely, you know, with, mm-hmm. with my dad and myself and Grandma, grandma yeah. Arlene, you know, watching, is that my thought process was this think that I have this 100,000 person community and audience, approach it like that, but also pick out that one person in that community or audience and talk directly to them. Yep. So keep it individual, but have the idea like, man, this is big. And it wasn't like you know, and this isn't about deceiving people. It wasn't like I was walking around the streets saying I have a hundred thousand person audience, no in the community, because that that would never fly, and I would never feel
0: ethical about that. You get exposed too.
1: Internal game, an internal game that worked really well.
0: Yeah, well, it just it, it allows you to get into a mindset where you're making the right kinds of choices longer term. In my right. experience. And, exactly. that's, and that's something that so many people don't think about, right? And that's something that, that, you know, Gary, who's a mutual friend of ours, you know, says all the time, right? Legacy, right? Legacy, legacy, oh, legacy totally. is the game. So, you know, if you think the long term and you force yourself to think that way, you, you make better choices both in the moment and for that eventual reality. Another point that, that was in the book and immediately resonated with me because I do this in all areas of my life, not just online, but everywhere is, you know, you say, you term it being selectively present, right? Mm -hmm. Being present at the right times. And I call it manufacturing scarcity, right? yeah. Yeah, definitely. Where you're creating opportunity for you to be missed. You're not constantly around, but when you're around, people are stoked, you're there. So how did you stumble upon that thought process?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. And by the way, a quick note on that, that you mentioned before about Gary, and I think it's so important, is that, yes, I mean, Gary, these people that are so successful at this, Focus on long-term relationships and not one-night stands. Yep. You know what I mean? It's not about you know one-night stands can lead to all kinds of problems besides STD. <laughs> um, but but you know people get pissed. Like there's all kinds of things that happen and, and it's just we don't we don't need to do that anymore in our marketing. Yep. Um, so that random rant there. No, it's a um, great rant. But uh, you know on that point, selectively present I think is key. It's sort of like imagine that there's a million parties going on and you know you could you could attend every party. And go crazy <laughs> and probably not get to meet or have any traction at any given party or or have a great impact because you're just flying around like a little honeybee all over the place and you're too spread out versus, of course, attending no parties and you're at home crying by yourself. Yep. And what I've noticed is that the best people and, – and, and this just happened to me just – I don't want to say by accident but by experimenting. Okay. And what I noticed for me on, on the social media side specifically, the sites that I enjoyed spending time on um, other than other people's blogs and my site in the comments and other, other stuff like that, Twitter and Facebook really resonated with me the most. Mm-hmm. And I decided that I wanted to attend those parties more and be there and interact and meet people there. But like you mentioned, this isn't a case and, I, and, and it's a slippery soap and you know that too. Yep. Of sitting there all day on there, you know, if I'm bored, Lord forbid on one day, sometimes I'll be on there and and talking all day. But I think that there is definitely kind of get in, get out situations. You want to have conversations, you want to interact one-on-one, but this is not a case of panicking over everything that happens over real time all the time. You do the best you can to have the one-on-one relationships that you can but you got to get out of there um, or you're just not going to be able to do anything else. It could be a very big time succubus.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, now that brings to me the next kind of question is, you know, talk to me about how you handle your inbox, right? I mean, I know the social inbox and that's a different ballgame where, you know, it's at replies and people leaving posts on walls and, you know, people uploading photos of you at an event, you know, and you want you want to be aware of all that. But, you know, how does it happen when, you know, somebody hits your inbox or somebody calls your your cell phone if they get that number somehow?
1: Yeah, that's good. By the way, my cell phone's got one of those funny voicemails where it's like, please email me. Oh, <laughs> really? Okay. okay so yeah, that's,
0: that's, your, that's your primary vector. Very cool. You know,
1: what I noticed just from studying and research, too, uh, of people is that, People get to – the cool thing and the not-so-cool thing about the way that communication now is that you know people are much more accessible than they ever were. Agreed. Um, with all these different ways that you can contact people, I think by setting your own rules, you can set precedent. Uh, for example, Seth Godin will respond to every single email that you send him. Yep. Uh, you know, you're not going to get war and peace back, but you're going to respond to it. Someone like Robert Scoble um, – he responds to his at replies first before anything, sure. you know, there's different rules of engagement for different people. And I think that's important to realize that for me personally, you know, email is a big thing for me. I, I would be lying if I didn't say it's starting to get overwhelming or it has been overwhelming.
0: Congratulations. That's a big turning point.
1: Well, you know, it's, it's, you know, <laughs> I, I am all about personal touch. I'm obsessed with personal touch. I try to, and I'm putting this in quotes, try to, cause I, I think I can do it for now, but it's not going to last much longer. I try to get back
0: to every single person that emails me. Yeah, Well, it's just an important thing, right? Even if yeah. you don't get back to everyone, the effort and the fact that, you know, when people finally start to get a little snarky, um, because that time will come, and I think it's going to be coming sooner rather than later with the book, um, yeah. you know, that the instant when somebody says, hey, I'm not receiving a response from David, he's not authentic, he's not available, that you're going to have, you know, legions of fans because you've been doing this for years now. And, you know, you, you've been what i've termed networking up right to you know thought leaders good people but you've also been networking across and down to people who you know you've inspired and you hope so, and and yeah. so you know it's a very interesting thing when you're able to do both because i find that that especially early on in people's careers especially coming out of college they don't network up enough they don't go like the four or five levels up i mean you've reached you know people who I would love to reach, which, and this is a personal hobby of mine, right? This is what I do in nights and weekends when I'm alone is I try and network with people online. So, you know, talk to me about your strategies of getting, you know, not the person that's like one or two levels at the job you want in like five years, but like the thought leader, the top person in an industry, how do you get their attention?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And, and here's really what I've done is that the rise to the top increasingly, has become a valuable asset yep. because of the way that the audience responds and the community builds up and, and the way that it's worked over time where, you know, any given day, it's got more people watching than the day before potentially. And what happened is when I started it, though, it wasn't that case, right? Mm-hmm. So when I started doing interviews, I would interview people that I knew already. Okay. So I would start with just smaller people, people locally in St. Louis, Missouri, where I'm from, things like that. And that's how I got started. That's how I got it going, got the core out there. But what I am a big proponent of is using your content as a handshake. And what I mean by that is offering something of value to someone and timing it well. So, for example, a lot of the most inaccessible people become much more accessible when they have something to market and promote. Sure. Uh, Tim Ferriss, Seth Godin, a lot of people like that, as soon as something becomes important for them to get out there, they become accessible. And if you can pounce on those situations because you have something to offer them, not because you're taking anything, yeah. But because you're offering something of value, there's value there. And what I've tried to do is focus on finding, and this, anyone can do this, trying to focus on what those people find important, even the most busy people. What can I do with my repertoire that will help them? Gotcha. Gotcha. It might be that I do a book review. Yeah. It might be that I have a blog post like I had one that that did, you know, spread all around called the 35 unique entrepreneurs taking over the business world or something like that. That was just my way of giving a little love to some people. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, do you think it's it's a coincidence that that list of 35, okay? When I put that list up, I had interviewed 3 of them for the rise to top, okay. okay? And this was list went up about a year ago. Mm-hmm. I've now interviewed all
0: 35. Wow. I mean, uh, talk about setting, you know, kind of the precedence for success, right? I mean, you, you, you know, you gave this little gift of, you know, content. And, and you know, I know from my experience having been a part of the, the Rise community at that point, how well received that post was. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, you got a lot of people who were retweeting that and sending it out and, and promoting the heck out of it. And, and appropriately so, in my eyes, it was a solid piece of content. So, you know, yeah. Congratulations I mean, on getting through. Thank you. Thank
1: you. And, and what was interesting though is about this is uh, you got to realize this, and this is just this is just, just the the no BS fluff free thing about it is that you know there's everyone has an ego, mm-hmm. and 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 you like to see yourself, right? Yep. Especially in a good light. I mean, I don't see anyone saying I would hate to see myself in a good light. You know, even the most busy people. And and the other point of it that I want to make on some of the very difficult people to you. First of all, you never know unless you ask. Sure. Got to, know, Got to make the ass.
0: Got to make the ass.
1: Got to make the ass, And also paying attention to how those people like to be contacted if you can figure out how to do it. Sure. For example, if on their website they have a contact page and shows you the best ways to get to them, that's great. Yep. Use that. Sign it's posts. not a trick to try to do something else. Exactly. Um, if they say, I hate Facebook, you don't go on <laughs> Facebook and, and send them a message. Um, the other thing is, you know, face to face meeting people at conferences or wherever they're actually located can build a better relationship as well. And and people become more accessible when they're speaking or they're out there. And the third thing that you don't really see, but it's happening behind the scenes is a lot of these interviews some were as simple as one email. Hey, this is what I do. I interview entrepreneurs. We'd love to have you on. Let's do it. Yep. Others were very much a work in progress that took over 1 year to land the interview. Sure. Sure. I mean, I mean. so it's not, you know, it's something, again, it's the long-term relationship, right? It is focusing on little steps, but put yourself in their shoes, even as a massive influencer or whatever you want to call them, and say, what is the number one thing that I could do, me, to help them and expect nothing in return? And that's how good stuff happened.
0: Yeah, well, you know, preaching to the choir here, but, you know, it's always great to hear people who have done it and done it successfully kind of repeat those things because – um, you know, it's easiest to learn from your own experience, but it's a heck of a lot more fun to leverage other people's experience and and, and uh, become smarter because of it. Kind of my last question, though, is talking uh, more towards, you know, your, your TV show. Talk to me about how you've kind of straddled the worlds better than I think anybody that I've come across inside of the social media space um, of doing – Old quote unquote old media versus new. new media. So how did you end up getting the show, and and you know how has that worked? And I know that you're now a correspondent on, on uh, you know another show in the local St. Louis yeah. market. So talk to me about that experience and how did you make all that happen?
1: Yeah, it's an it's an interesting story because I'm really, you know I'm a new media guy. You know with, with experience in traditional. What happened was um, the story is actually interesting, and I think there's a lot of ways to look back and you know all kinds of mistakes too, of course, but. I, when I was with Pro Inline Hockey, that was the first company I was involved with. It was a hockey league in St. Louis. And I somehow ended up with a radio show. Don't ask how. It just sort of inbound (laughs) happened. A company came, and I said, you want to do a radio show about, you know, hockey on wheels? I said, sure. I said, if I can call it Get In Line, ha. Um... (laughs) Oh, dude! Yeah, Ah, that's bad. Yeah, awkward. Anyway, so that was my first experience creating content. I didn't know that I was going to love creating content. I didn't know it was an interest, though. It got me excited to try it out. And once I tried it out, I loved it. I loved, you know, doing this radio show. I loved like talking and doing interviews, and and it was like so much fun. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. And so I said, well. When I moved on from that and I started The Rise to Top with this vision of creating this non-boring business resource mm-hmm. uh, because I just saw so much boring garbage out there, I, I said, you know what? What if I started a TV show? No idea what I'm doing. No idea whatsoever. And it, it, you know, if I had thought about the how, I would have probably scared myself away from it. Sure. But what happened was I took basically my bar mitzvah money. Nice. <laughs> uh, from when I was thirteen, mixed with sponsor relationships that I already had from pro inline hockey. Okay. And was able to raise um, a bit of money to get a traditional TV show going, but it was a do-it-yourself method. So what I mean by that is that we had to do literally everything. I mean, shooting, producing, selling the advertising, everything. And I was fortunate enough; it was the six degrees of separation thing, mm-hmm. of just hustling my way to get to a station. You know, I mean, asking my attorney, do you know anyone? You know, here's my idea. Can you nudge me in the right direction? He nudged me to a guy who nudged me to a lady who nudged me to a guy who nudged me to a lady. And next thing you know, the idea was conceived in, in August and hit the airs in October.
0: Okay. Um,
1: but the lesson here is, is something like this I always had the vision of it being online. Always. Interesting. Traditional TV was something I wanted to experiment with and I thought it was very interesting, but it also ended up teaching me a lot about marketing and promoting because the station came to me and they said, Well, hey, you gotta get a lot of advertising and all this kind of traditional methods. That's how you'll get people to watch your show. And I said, Well, small problem. One, I hate traditional advertising, and two, I don't have any more money. Yeah. You know, I don't have, I don't have this huge budget. So what did I do? I got in the trenches. I got onto social media. I mean, I was on there anyway, That's but sick. I was saying Turn the focus towards focusing and making connections with people that would be interested in watching the show online and offline. And that's how it grew. I mean, getting in there and really connecting with people, the show started getting really good ratings and the station couldn't figure out what the heck was going on. <laughs> I mean, they were like, wait, awesome but you do not spend any money on advertising. I said, no, but I spent a lot of time Focusing on my relationship. Actually, I didn't tell him anything. I just said, oh, I don't know. It must be such a good show. Um, I'm a know. natural
0: born winner. Yay. Yeah,
1: exactly. And, and, you know, it was confusion. And, you know, my goal was always to get this to, to an online base because I love the interaction that you can do online. And traditional TV was a good way to get the start. But the way that I really built the community and audience was focusing on new media. That's it. I mean, period. And and it ended up that the TV show went from the ice cream and, and online being the cherry To the online being the ice cream and the TV show being the cherry and kind of something like that. And now, honestly, it's been phased out because there's been better uses of now
0: corresponding on other shows and things like that um, now. Well, I mean, really smart, right? I mean, because you kind of worked inverse to what everybody kind of in my experience of the podcasters, right? When you hit, you know, TV correspondence level or you get your own show, you've like hit it big. And it's really interesting to see that you kind of did the exact opposite. Yeah, which was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know what you were able to find a way to make it work right and it yeah. gave you a really marketable piece in this entire kind of you know who is David story right and you're able to sit there and say you know hey I successfully have done a TV show for multiple seasons like you're able to give value on how someone might eventually get there which is just another piece to to why you're a great contact to have obviously though uh, I'm going to wrap up this interview i mean this is you know meet my followers so who are some of the followers that you follow? Who you really enjoy their content on Twitter? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I love stumbling people with this every time. It's phenomenal.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, so who are some of the people I really enjoy? So, for different reasons. Um, one, I love Peter Shankman great guy. because from Help a Reporter. Yep, uh, he's he's at Peter Shankman on Twitter. Not necessarily because of the great content, but like he's really funny. And his tweets are funny and they're entertaining and they're mixed with good content. So I, I always like what Peter has to say. He's always got a great – he's always got his personality present. And I think that's awesome and I think that's critical. Yep. Um, Tim Ferriss, who does things very differently because realize, you know, Tim, there's – you'll notice a big difference between people that are building a brand now, like really getting it going over the last couple of years, yep. and people that were like just before that. So meaning when they came on Twitter on day one, people knew who they were. Yep. Tim being one of those. Um. But Tim, I think you get delicious content from, and I think that's really good. Um, He always has very interesting links to take a look at. Yep. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, um, while his stream isn't necessarily 100% interesting per se because he spends all his time engaging, I think it's more of a good lesson in saying, look, you've got to give some love to people. It's not just about having your blog post at the top of your stream every single day. It's and just having value from your stream. I mean, it's it's the interaction mixed with the content that really gives the great stuff. Um, so, so those are a few of those are great folks. I mean, you
0: know, yeah, exactly. I mean, someone like yourself, you know, thousands of Twitter followers. So I know that it's hard to like put you on the spot and have you say three, but uh, you know, that, that those are great folks. I mean, you know, all three of those folks are people who I follow. All three are people who I've had the great fortune of, of speaking with, and uh, you know, all three are great guys. And, and and they all do it differently, and they all yeah. are successful despite the fact they do it differently. So massive that, point, massive point. Well, right you're, there. you're able so to. True. Pick up and and run with what your personality is, right? I mean, you know, the you know, Gary and, and Peter for a lot of respects love people, right? Yep. Tim, not so much, right? I mean, he he the people thing for him is is an interesting dichotomy because he 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 values time more than people in some respects, which is an interesting learning point to take away. Well, yeah, I mean, yep, yep. Well, you got a final point? You got a thought
1: that you want to throw in there? Well, you know, my thought on that was, yeah, I mean, it's, it's social media allows you to, you know, really tap into your personality and not, you know, the people that have success, like you said, are the ones that understand themselves.
0: Yeah, it's a They magnifying understand themselves glass. and
1: they understand what they're good. Like if you gave Gary an hour and you said, go do whatever you want on Twitter, he would at reply as many people as he possibly could to
0: have little conversations. I, I, you, I know that could, for personal experience. I've seen him do it way too often. It's, exactly. it's slightly it, annoying when you're trying to get his time.
1: Right. It's a little challenging. On the other hand, if you said, Tim, uh, here's one hour for you on Twitter, he would tweet two links and then go have some tea. Yeah. And, and, and you know what? And it works for them. And you have to find out what works for you. And I think that's part of the fun challenge that we're all facing
0: right now. Absolutely. Well, David, thank you again for coming on the show. The new book is smarter, faster, cheaper. It's coming out December 7th. Thanks again. Oh, pleasure's all mine. Thank you so much for having me on. And that's the interview with David. I hope that you enjoyed it. Um, He's a a great guy. His new book, Smarter, Faster, Cheaper, is great. And I would really recommend, if you're a small business owner trying to do something interesting on social media, that you give it a read. Um, It's a shorter-ish book, around 240 pages, and uh, I was able to get through it in a couple of sittings. Um, His writing style is is very, very easy to read. So go pick that up. Um, Now for the news on me. Um, as you can hear, my voice is a little all over the place right now, um, just kicking a cold among other things, but I've been running around the last couple of months uh, since I took the show off the air trying to handle a couple of personal items, the first of which is I actually uh, have a new job. I'm I'm in the process of leaving my home in Phoenix um, and and or the Scottsdale area if I'm going to be snooty about it, and uh, getting ready to move to a different location um, for a very well-known uh New York uh Madison Avenue style agency. Um you know, they'll say that they're not Madison Avenue, but I I'm claiming I'm, the, the, I'm claiming that they're the new Madison Ave. So, um you know, going to join a, a a company that's doing a lot of very interesting things. Um and so that's been partially what's been filling my time is is working all that out and working the details there. Um but uh, I've been doing a lot of uh, other things as well. Um looking at the show formats, looking at things that I could possibly do um with regards to the show, and one of the things that really jumped out at me was the fact that, that Meet My Followers, while it's a great way for me to interview people, um, is not ideal long-term for me to um, do as a daily podcast, so I've decided in 2011 is that I will be producing Meet My Followers once a week, um, looking at it probably going to be Tuesdays if uh, things currently go to plan. But I'm not just going to produce one show guys. I'm, I mean you know i'm going to produce one episode of Meet My Followers each week and release that, but I will be doing other shows and uh, there are a couple that I'm kicking around, but the first that I'm really interested in, just based off of my blog analytics over the course of the last two years um, is is doing a show entirely based on book reviews. Um, a lot of people don't know this about me, but way oh, way oh, back in the day when I started my undergraduate program. I actually thought I was going to come out and become a book publicist. So I have a huge passion for reading and um, and, and something that I, I do really really well, especially in the business arena. I can consume books like nobody's business, and you know, reading fifty books a year sounds like a lot of fun to me. Um, so that's that's the first show that I'm going to be doing. I have a potential co-host who I'm working with on a couple of things um, as well because uh, I, I think she's pretty amazing, um, and, and I just kind of got that vibe that that she and I needed to work together. Um, you know, so that's probably going to be a show on its own. And I've got uh, one other big show that I really want to consider doing. Um, so I'm going to need a, a, a big, big sponsor and a great co host for it. So I'm starting to put the pieces together for that as well. And who knows what else I've got potentially coming out. Um, I, I, my goal is eventually to have five shows underneath. What's been project named Cade uh, because of the Twitter buzz that had happened over the years of, about you know me producing podcasts and CadeCasting and things like that. So, um, you know, we'll see how all that works out. But uh, th- that is the goal for 2011: is to get meet my followers back on track once a week, um, and then start to fill in other content areas. Uh, on the other days of the week as well, so that I'm producing five episodes daily. If you really want your Cade fix, you can get it. There'll be plenty of different ways to do it, but um, you know, guys, thank you all for your support. I've still receiving an emails and at replies regarding the show, which is pretty amazing. Um, and uh, you know, the show's been entirely successful because of you. So thank you for listening. Thank you for caring about what's going on with me and sticking to me this late. Um, I do appreciate it. Well, I look forward to uh, seeing you guys in 2011. Have a great set of holidays. I wish the best for you and your families. And uh, it's going to be a good time. So uh, I look forward to having you come back to the site and come back and listen to the show uh, after the new year. Bye for now.